just in case we don't, just so we don't miss anything important, like unlike Seltzer Chat. <laughs> that's really important. You know, that's what fuels the metal is the carbonated water. So. Coffee and carbonated water. Coffee yeah. and carbs. That's a seltzer flavor I'm waiting for is hint of hint of bong water. That'll, that'll <laughs> fly off the shelves, you know. <laughs> I'm willing to bet someone in California at this point has made some kind of like THC infused LaCroix type thing. Like there's gotta be some kind of like weed seltzer out there. Cypher Dylan and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week we will have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you get podcasts from. And if you have a question or any other such nonsense, you can fire off an email to diarydoom1968 at gmail.com. Small life update. I am uh, now recording from my new apartment. Uh, well, it's my new apartment. I don't know how new the actual apartment is, but my new residence in uh, Brooklyn, which is very cool. Busy, sweaty, gross couple of weeks, and uh, the weather has not been helpful because it is fucking balls hot raining all kind of manner of interesting topics but anyway uh as usual we do have a guest uh we have um Lightmaker from right here in new york actually we have jack and brian joining us so welcome to uh welcome to diary of doom brooklyn edition yeah, thanks, thanks for having, having us. us jack plays guitar uh, and brian plays drums uh, we're not sure. We may be joined uh, also by their vocalist, Jade. Um, she might be popping in a little bit later. Um, the Lightmaker, they released their self-titled last November. Not sure what y'all been up to since. Uh, we we reached out earlier, uh, or I reached out earlier, and you know I'm sure just like life got in the way, but we're here now and, uh, and happy to be doing so. Um, actually, I got to see you guys earlier in 2020. One of the few shows I got to see last year it was like right in the beginning of the year, right? Yeah, that was probably one of the last shows we played then because, yeah, I think that was the last one. I remember you introduced yourself. It was at uh, what was that venue out in Bushwick, right? Footlight is that what it was called? The Footlight, Footlight? I think that was the last show we played. Shit. Yeah, that was right before the lockdown. Yeah, yeah, uh, with um, a couple other bands, three other bands. It was like um, Iron Rider, I talked to them. Um, much earlier episode of the podcast too. Um, actually, I think I talked to that dude maybe before or after that. I don't remember, but you can go <laughs> find that in the backlogs of the website. Check it out if you want to. But uh, so, like, what what were you guys' uh, earliest experiences with music? Do you guys have a musical upbringing, or is it something you picked up a little bit later on? 
Do you want to go first, Brian? Or Yeah, I can go first. Uh, so I started out playing music when I was really, really little. My dad is a, or was a musician for most of his life. And so um, he was kind of like an old folky, but he got me playing various instruments and sort of the family band kind of thing from when I was very young. And then by the time I was a teenager, I decided that I hated all that and wanted to be <laughs> a rocker uh, and got into metal and, you know, sort of rejected all the, all the stuff from my parents' generation um, and playing in bands from like middle school all the way up until now or up until the pandemic. So yeah, I've been playing on stage for 30 plus years, I'd say. Yeah, I had kind of a similar thing. I've uh, been playing, like, I took uh, cello and piano lessons when I was a kid. Then was I, when I was in maybe like middle school, I got into rock music, maybe like the opposite of what Brian was talking about. Like my parents were more into like Jimmy Buffett and musical theater type stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, rock. So, yeah. So for me, when I discovered like, you know, Led Zeppelin and ACDC and stuff like that, I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Uh, and that was kind of cool because... Uh, it wasn't something that my parents really listened to. So for me, I was still able to like process it as like rebellious music and not my parents' music. And I just kind of got into like rock and metal and all that stuff from there and been plugged along ever since. Been playing guitar and bass for, I don't know, going on 20 years now. So, so like what, what other uh, bands have y'all been in? I was in a band uh, called uh, Gentricide right before I started Lightmaker. Uh, we also played kind of like Doom or Stoner Metal in Brooklyn for a bit. That was most of what I was doing. I mean, before I didn't really come from a metal background. I did like, I played in like bar bands or I did busking, like acoustic type stuff before this. So it was kind of a pivot musically, but it was cool. It was interesting to get into. I played in um, a bunch of different bands around New York. I've been out here for 13, 14 years now. Um, in, the, in the metal scene, I played in a band a long time ago called Madam Trashy. Terrible band name, but pretty cool band. <laughs> Um, and then I played at a band called La Utrecina for a while. That was like more of a, a kind of psych prog band. And then played with some indie rock bands and people like that. Just I've been kind of all over the place in my time in New York before I met up with Jack. Um, I'm also a bass player and um, play guitar and stuff like that. So I had been wanting to play drums for a long time um, since I've been in New York. I've most been playing bass and, uh, you know, playing stoner doom drums is the most fun thing ever so very sad and that's kind of how i met up with with these guys yeah wanted to oh. work out some aggression <laughs> and uh speaking of the rest of the crew it looks like jade is joining us now yeah i'm so sorry I, I, <laughs> it's okay <laughs> this is uh pretty typical of me actually there's always something something wrong going on i i apologize <laughs> no worries this is uh this is uh this is a low stress zone yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that was something that was maybe not unique, but a little interesting about the band is for the longest time, it's always been uh, like three bass players, the rhythm section, because my main instrument is bass, Brian's main instrument is bass, and then we had a bass player. So three bass <laughs> players, you know, what? how much doomier can you get? I kind of regret that we never covered uh, Big Bottom by Spinal Tap, but, you know, maybe going forward, we'll get that one. That's still on the table. That's still on yeah. the table. Just cover it all with... Only playing the bass, just yeah. have three players, but playing like the lead and, and all that. Everyone plays bass. <laughs> Still there, Jade? Hey, I'm here. yeah, I did yeah. it. Okay, she made all it right. work. <laughs> oh. Slowly but surely. And Better late than never. Who's your friend? 
Uh, this is uh, my little dog, Peanut. Oh, Peanut. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a very dog-friendly podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, you doing better? I know Peanut was sick, right? Yeah, Peanut had Parvo, so it was pretty brutal yeah. for a little while. But she's doing really well now. Yeah. That's good. So, yeah, thriving. <laughs> That's good. They were uh, just talking about the early experiences with music and when they started getting into metal. So if you want to chime in on that. Yeah. Um, I grew up going to shows when I was a teenager. I think I started to go to shows when I was like, I don't know, in my early teens. And uh, so I grew up in, in Denver, Colorado, and there was a really big, thriving, like punk and metal scene there. Um, so that's kind of where my roots are. And like, I'm just like a punk kid at heart. And I, you know, actually both of my parents are musicians as well. So my dad plays drums and a bunch of other instruments as well, but he's primarily a drummer. And then my mom was a singer. So I, I grew up around music and it was just kind of, um, it just felt really natural to kind of go into making music myself. So I don't know if you guys kind of went over like the, the genesis of this band or how it all came together, but I, I don't know if they already mentioned that we all kind of found each other when I I moved to New York and I was looking to, to join a band and I responded to a Craigslist ad. I like ah, to, Craigslist band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we like to live dangerously. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they, no, they, they hadn't, but we were more or less just getting that to that point. Okay, cool. Well, um, so that's just a little bit of my background and then how I came to, um, like I said, I moved to New York City and I was looking to play music and um, I just love Doom and like I... I had mentioned that I was into, you know, punk and metal as a kid. And the more I got into music and the more I started to kind of evolve as um, a fan and as a, you know, a singer and musician myself, like the more I started to get interested in, you know, where did these riffs come from? And who were all of these, like these metal bands that I love, like who were their influences? And that's how I got kind of into proto metal and, and doom. And so I knew that when I, you know, when I wanted to be in a band and when I was ready to do that, I wanted to be in a doom band. And I was so lucky to find these guys in New York and they allowed me to stay and hang out. And yeah, it's been great. It's been really great. Uh, New York, New York is, uh, it's ripe. You know, it, it's, it's always been, it, it's always had like, it's, it's nice little hub metal or doom and otherwise. Um, yeah. but Colorado is nothing to laugh at either. I just talked to a band from Colorado and like, I love all the bands out that I've heard from out there. They fucking kick so much ass. Yeah. It's a great place for music. It's like, that's what you do when you live there, you know? And it's always been that way. As long as, you know, I've been around, the scene has always been awesome. There's a, a guy wandering around in the background and, uh, he was, you know, really involved in the Colorado music scene as well. And, uh, yeah, the doom scene there is, is huge and, amazing and there's just so many talented people out there it was it was really good to grow up in that you know atmosphere in that scene so really lucky for sure like fucking hippies though yeah <laughs> hippies. not me though <laughs> do y'all have like a specific album that you would credit for like changing your lane in terms of exploring heavy music i i have two i my friend steve showed me electric wizard when we were in high school uh dope throne and that was like I never heard a band that was like that, uh, I guess, low end intensive. So that was always before I was into metal. That was kind of the standard of like, oh, if I wanted to make heavy music more than like death metal or black metal, just like that kind of like low rumble that they do. That mm -hmm. was very influential on me. And then what 
got me to pivot into like fully doing doom metal was sleep's dope smoker just kind of listening to that over and over and over and over again and kind of trying to process the like macro form of it i guess because it's mm-hmm. an hour long and it sounds you know it sounds like a dumb idea like oh we're just gonna play one song for an hour but if you like really sit there and kind of analyze it it's pretty complex like there's a bunch of themes that go out of the way and return and there's form to it it's, it's a pretty interesting listen if you like break it down in parts and so that was very influential on me and that's what more than anything else prompted me to want to make this kind of music i mean it is basically like a prog rock album <laughs> yeah very slow prog rock album yeah and very slow Sick. i was i was lucky my dad despite being a folky and like adamantly not a rock and roll guy had this like massive record collection when i was growing up and he had a copy of coven's first record oh, like nice. he bought it in the store when it came out because he was like well this is cool and witchy and and weird despite not owning like any black sabbath or like anything like that uh, so i found that when i was like nine and was like whoa this is far out and so that always stuck <laughs> with me despite not really like knowing much about metal and then when i was a teenager you know, I got into, like Metallica and everything and went down that rabbit hole. But then um, when I got to college, the guy who lived across the hall from me, his name's uh, Joe Lester. He's now the bass player for a band called Intranaut out of L.A. It's like a oh, awesome, nice. Wait, awesome prog rock band. He's the bass player? Yeah, the bass player. From that oh, band. okay, cool. So I didn't see him when I saw Intranaut because he... Oh, well, yeah, because he broke his... Because uh, he broke yeah. his leg? <laughs> yeah. He's an nice. old. Uh, I've old never been so life. excited to talk about someone I never saw. <laughs> oh god, they're great. They yeah. had like um, they made like um, like a dummy or something. It was like they took like a mannequin yeah. and just like put his face on it, and he was just standing yeah. there like it was awesome. Poor guy, poor guy. That was right before the lockdown too. I know. Um, yeah, he lived across the hall from me in college, and we were roommates together. And he was like the most metal dude ever when he came to college. He was like all brutal with his like death metal shirts on and his nose is like septum pierced and all this stuff black hair and he was like the also the nicest most chill guy and um i was always like man i don't really like the brutal vocals i'm into like the witchier more hippied out stuff and he was like murph you gotta you gotta check this stuff out man i got some really good stuff for it he really turned me on a black metal um and like you know emperor and like uh a bot and all these like bands and uh so i went really like one way on like the super psychedelic tripped outside and like old witchy kind of proto metal and then like Norwegian like OG black metal with like screeching and lo-fi and so uh, I've always just sort of found myself <laughs> sort of somewhere in the middle trying to sort of like get something out of both sides of that cool. that's my story that's yeah. so bad that you looked across from him <laughs> mm-hmm. me too he's an awesome dude I hope they get two or three soon again I think I'm just going to echo what everybody else said. Um, Like I said, I grew up really listening to heavy music and um, I got the more I kind of went backwards with metal, you know, the more I was able to get kind of more into like proto metal and hard rock and hard psych from the 70s and stuff. And so I think when I started to dig and I found like Pagan Altar and Pentagram and Coven, Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, dude, this is like. I love this, you know, it's like heavy, but it's also, it's got like a different um, approach to vocals and, and the content and the lyrics. And it was, um, you know, at the time I was pretty like witchy and mystical and, and all of that <laughs> stuff and, you know, buying crystals and shit. And so I was like, <laughs> obviously like really drawn to that, um, you know, kind of occult and, you know, mysticism. And so, yeah, but definitely I think like, 
like I said, you know, Pagan Altar, um, Pentagram, The Obsessed, like everything Wino has done, you know, Acid King. When I heard all of that, I was just like, oh, dude, this, I gotta, I gotta be a part of this somehow. So. Acid King whips. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was actually just put away my <clears throat> record collection and consolidated it. And I was like, oh man, I forgot she bought this copy of the Coven record too. But I was like, oh, but this is not finding it when you're nine years old. Yeah. That was awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. I got to see that. I saw them uh, like three years ago. They were awesome. So good. They brought like Jesus out, like fucking whipping him and shit. I was like, this is awesome. I know. I was out of town when that show happened. And I was so bummed. I was like, oh my God, I've wanted to see this band literally since I was like nine years old. But Was that the Halloween yeah. show? No, this was out in uh, Vegas. Oh, I saw him uh, for Halloween. I think it was a couple years ago. Yeah. And it was the, I, to this day, like one of the most wild shows I've ever seen. Like uh, just totally wild. Super yeah. cool. They're like, Very Dawson's far out. They like brought her out in a coffin to like yeah. bed down. She's like in the coffin. With like a bedazzled mask. And I was yeah, just yeah, like, oh exactly. my God. Yeah, and I obviously like worship her, you know, so <laughs> trying to like <laughs> live that, you know. And so I was just losing my mind. It was so cool. It was so brutal, but at the same time, like really fun and kind of kitschy. And yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It was super good. All right. So you, you answered um, Craigslist. Uh, that's how you all like got to know each other. Um, there's, uh, and there, there's, well, we're, we're down one person. So I don't know how he got, gets brought into the fold. <laughs> we're down the bass player. Is that what you mean? Yes. <laughs> We've had a hard time with bass players. I, I don't uh, know what the cause of that is. Um, we went through a couple guys from the area and just like interpersonal differences, I guess. Um, the most recent iteration of the band, which is the one you saw, my good friend Chris, who was one of the guitar players from Gentricide, he, he kind of filled in because he's a really good musician. No, okay. We just needed somebody who was chill that we could vibe with, and he was perfect for that. But as far as like the band goes, I guess it's kind of like Brian and Jade and I's baby. So it's more like a Brian Wilson situation. Like we're kind of like, oh, he's, this is what it is. And, you know, it's obviously when you're playing like doom music, there's a lot of room for improvisation. But the overall form of it or whatever, or like the structure of it is kind of what we create. Gotcha. And Chris is awesome. We love Chris. So, um, yeah. Amazing player. We definitely intend to have him do more stuff with us. But, uh, yeah, for the so especially with the pandemic going on and things, um, he had like just joined the band when everything locked down, so um, we haven't really had a chance to like fully put him to work yet. I guess you could say so. <laughs> more more to come from that. Yep. Right on. Did you intend to release your self-titled like towards the end of last year in November, or was that affected by the pandemic? It would have come out sooner if the pandemic didn't happen because we had to wait for the vinyl to be pressed and all of the mm. plants that were doing that were shut down by COVID. Um, we finished doing the mixing on it in like, I want to say January of 2020. So, you know, by the time we had gotten it mastered and everything, the world was shutting down and <laughs> we were right in the epicenter of it. I mean, you know, too, you were here. So we were right in the epicenter oh, yeah. of that. So. For a good three or so months, nothing happened. And then by the time things slowly started to reopen, that's when we were finally able to uh, get our ducks in a row and put the whole thing out. I think we waited about eight months for vinyl to get pressed in Europe. Was it yeah. seven, or eight, seven or eight months. And the worst part is when I finally got it, the um, shipping plant 
had packed it wrong. And so I came all the way from Prague and it got to me and it had gotten just dropped so many times on the way here. And so almost every record had bent corners and stuff. And so uh, ah, I had to sucks. go through like a sh an international shipping damage claim in the midst of all that too. So um, there was actually a point where I had gotten down to only copies that were completely damaged and people were buying them and I'm, I'm having to like reach out to them and say, hey, by the way, it's got like some corner dings. I fished one out that's not so bad. Like, is that cool? Otherwise, it might be like a couple months before we get backups from Prague. So thankfully, a lot of people were really cool about that. And we didn't have to wait for forever and ever to fulfill some of our orders. But yeah, the vinyl industry has been crazy for the last year and a half. So I feel for anyone putting out records right now, too. That's what everybody said. Yeah, uh, just shit gets pushed back, and then uh, <laughs> everyone's just gonna have a backlog. Like, well, we wrote a fucking album, so but we gotta space it out, or else y'all are gonna get tired of us. Seriously, because we're gonna have like back-to-back -back albums lined up. There's probably gonna be people that have <laughs> multiple things in queue at pressing plants, and just like waiting for them to show up. So. Oh, 100. Hopefully, it means there's gonna be like a huge burst of all sorts of new cool records coming out in like six to nine months and we'll just be overwhelmed by all the creative output and cool vinyl you can buy all of a sudden but sucks right now for anybody trying to either put one out or actually buy something from a band yeah, yeah. it's been cool to see though like how patient and understanding you know the whole you know music community has been and just kind of supporting each other and understanding the circumstances and um yeah, that's, that was kind of a pleasant surprise, is, you know, to see how cool about it everybody was, you know. So. Super cool about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hats off to, hats off to, like, most of the metal community for, like, really coming together to, like, yeah. support the scene. Definitely. The labels, too. I mean, Robert from DHU was so great for, like, we were, like, you know, he's used to turning out records from tons of bands. He turns them out super fast all the time. And uh, we were talking to him for over a year just because of the whole shipping and fulfillment situation. And he was super patient and following up and keeping us in the loop on everything that was going on. So like having these small label distributors out there helping out bands like us is also a, a huge thing. So it is a huge testament to what a cool community it is. Definitely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, but with the, with the record out now and you know, looking like, you know, shows are coming back. There's just been like a swap of announcements um, coming up uh, all over the place. Uh, do you have uh, plans to start working on new material and try to do anything around here, if not elsewhere? Yeah, we actually, uh, what, less than a month ago, uh, we went back to Studio G in Brooklyn, which is where we kept <laughs> the first record. And we recorded two new tracks uh, with Jeff Berner, the same producer. Um, I guess what kind of remains to be decided with that is what we want to do with them, like whether we want to do a split with another band, whether we want to record more material. But uh, I mean, two songs in our genre, it's like it's like 22 minutes worth of music. So <laughs> we've got some new stuff in the works. It's <laughs> quite drawn out. Uh, just like, let's do a seven inch, and we're like, uh, yeah. That's yeah, we would have to even if we if we tried to do that, we would have had to cut one of the songs like in half. So <laughs> we realized that like, there's no way we're putting out a seven inch. That's just flipping sides <laughs> like an old school floppy disk or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does that date me? Is that my, my old because I know I remember flipping. No, I mean, well, I don't, know, I don't remember 
I, I remember you put it in and popped it out. So maybe my flat mm. discs were a little bit better, more like advanced. Like this one, this two, yeah. <laughs> yes. The Gen Z fans are confused right now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I, I wonder if I have any Gen Z fans. <laughs> Based on our Spotify demographics, you probably got at least a couple. It seems like the like bell curve is like centered on people around our own age, mm-hmm. which makes sense. But there's a good amount of younger people who are into it too. I mean, Iron Rider, those guys are young and they they play the hell out of That's it. That's true, man. Yeah, it's definitely out there. Well, are you? Uh, any of you all excited for any shows that are coming up? Like, you know, we're really lucky to be in New York City and get so many shows, and there's a gajillion venues. And, um, you know, obviously some of them closed during the pandemic, but it's good to see that, like, you know, the mainstays and the ones that I usually go to are still around. Um, you know, like St. Vitus is reopening. I'm amped to get back to St. Vitus. Uh, uh, it's not this year, but the uh, big Meshuga tour, which I'm really amped for because Torch is opening up for them and uh, and and Converge, but that's kind of way, way, way down the line. But yeah, they've announced a whole bunch of other stuff. High on Fire, LPR. Um, what else I just got to take it to that. I'm going, I'm going to the second show at LPR. So yeah, same here. Got to go to the show that's closer to the weekend. Yeah, uh, for sure. I'm going <laughs> to destroy that. <laughs> LPR is such a great game too, so. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, I like LPR. Glad they survived. Jade saw High on Fire recently, right? Yeah, I did. Oh, um, were you in Texas? Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, I'm actually down in Austin now, so. Oh, okay, right on. Yeah, yeah, I was able to catch that show, and it, it was the crowd was crazy. It was really impressive. Uh, it was you could tell, you know, just everybody was so hungry to go to a show and mm-hmm. it was super positive and it was, it was a great show. Um, they sounded killer. I mean, as always, but, uh, it was particularly, you know, uh, it just felt good to be there. Right. So I'm excited to, I don't know, I don't have anything specifically, but I, you know, I, I gotta say, I'm really excited to see just like local bands too. I think that, um, smaller bands that, you know, their tours fell through or, you know, just things fell apart kind of, um, I really want to try to get out and, and support the local scenes, you know, in New York and Texas as well. And just kind of, you know, support everybody as they're trying to come back out and, and get things going again. So I'm excited to see it all, man. I think people are really, they've had time to kind of perfect their craft, their show and stuff over the past year too. So it's been really exciting to see what people have been working on, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was, uh, what was I going to say? Um, Oh, oh um, another one, uh, which I, I don't know if uh, you've played it or not, but um, Ode to Doom is coming back um, in September, which obviously we're big fans of what Claudia does there. So looking forward to going back, and that'll be good to see the local crew again. We were supposed to play Ode to Doom right when the lockdown happened. We were like set to play like a show, I think, like, two months after or a month after the, the lockdown happened so mm-hmm. i wonder if we're still on a bill with them we should probably playing one of those shows. yeah well maybe you should i'll definitely see what's up with that but yeah definitely looking forward to going back to that what else have y'all been listening to as of late anything uh unique cool stand out there I I don't listen to a lot of new music to be honest, but I try to keep up with like what's on Doom charts just to know what's coming out, and oh, it's always like cool to draw inspiration from what other people are doing. Uh, one record that came out recently that I really like is a fellow Brooklyn band Somnery. Their new record is really yeah. 
It's like a, yeah, it's kind of like a cool combo of like I don't even know what like the metal subgenres are. It has like death kind of vocals and really like aggressive drums and stuff, but there's also a lot of like atmospheric kind of stuff going on too, which keeps me interested because that's more like my speed of things. So they have uh, like a really cool sound. Um, I like that a lot. And then another thing that came out that's really good is uh, King Buffalo's new album. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah. So one record that came out la- last year, I think it was a little bit before the pandemic, an uh, Australian band called Holy Serpent. Do you know them? Yeah, yeah. That album is Their really last good. record is like super good. I think it's yeah, kind of I like that really. I've also just been listening to a ton of Conan lately. The guy who... Uh, Conan is so uh, good. The guy who does um, all the mastering on Conan's records did the mastering on our record. And you can just feel like the weight. Like he has this like special ability to make records be extra heavy. So it's always cool. Like hearing that when you put it loud on the on the turntable, you know? Yeah. Conan rules. They're epic as hell. So good. Yeah, they were the loudest show I've ever been to, easily. Haven't seen them yet, so they're... I gotta cross them off the list. Yeah, he showed up with a... Uh, it's always funny, like, we've had a bunch of shows where I play live out of this, like, 50-watt Marshall amplifier, and a lot of the times the sound guys are like, oh, it's too loud, it's too loud, turn it down. So when I saw Conan, he showed up with this 700-watt Hildish preamp, which is like, I think it's like a copy of a Mad Amp, but it's, you know, multi-sound is logarithmic. So even with the logarithmic thing, it's still several times louder than your average, like, 120-watt amp. And it's like, uh, we saw them at, what was that place? Knitting Factory in Brooklyn. And that place is really well soundproofed, where, like, if you're in the bar, you can kind of hear that music is happening, but you can't really hear it that loudly. They were so loud that even at the bar, you could just hear it like rumbling. <laughs> I definitely had uh, hearing issues for like two days after that, but it was worth it. Nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I think I should mention that I've been listening to this band Maggot Heart for I feel like two years now. I'm just obsessed. Yeah. yeah. It's cool, man. I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's I, I guess, kind of like grunge, you know? Um, it's like garage rock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Garage rock. I was able to see them live too, right before the the pandemic and everything shut down and it was just so good and, you know, super cool. So that's what I've been listening to mostly. And a lot of old stuff. I'm always like digging up some album and blowing dust off from, you know, the seventies or something and and trying to replay it. And so I like that stuff a lot too. Yeah. I I watched Maggot Hart's performance for Roadburn at home or whatever it was called. I forget what it was called. It was Roadburn Mm -hmm. at home. Um, but yeah, then I was like, oh, this band kicks ass, like yeah. just su- super fuzzy, but like, just feels so legit. Like, yeah, it, it's just, it's really it, good. Like, I don't, I guess it is rock and roll. I don't know. Whatever. Just listen to it. Make your own like, decision. Yeah. It's like punk too, you know? It's yeah. Like, it's really got cool. total punk energy. And the solos are, are really unique and weird. And I just like every you know i like when stuff doesn't really follow any kind of formula you know and it's just feels totally raw and like open so yeah i really like that band i think they're really impressive what have i been listening to it's really good uh the new uh the new dark throne album kicks ass it's like kind of doomy um and uh i really enjoyed that uh the new year of no light record is awesome it's uh it is like instrumental doom but it's just super layered 
definitely has like post rock vibes to it. And also they just throw in like some killer 80s synth, which I'm like a complete sucker for. So <laughs> more of that, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, that one was really good. I, I dug the hell out of that record. Strong, strongly recommend it. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, uh, is there anything you want to plug? Now is your time. Oh man, we're, we're so, uh, like the pandemic scattered us to the winds and like we've been mostly focused on just getting the most recent recordings done. So we don't have anything booked right now, but um, we're looking probably fall, winter, spring next year, somewhere in there to do some short runs. Now that Jade's down in Texas, like head down there, um, have bring her out here and do some stuff. So um, we'll, we'll definitely have some stuff in the works in the near future. So. If anybody's got any cool uh, <laughs> cool shows coming up uh, that they want Lightmaker to play on, definitely hit us up. But um, we'll definitely have some cool things happening in the the next quarter or two. Nice. Everybody can just find your stuff at Lightmaker, Bandcamp. Spotify, wherever records are streamed, yeah. Right on. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for being my first uh, guests in the new place. So uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, it's, I guess it's fitting to have a, a New York band on to be in your first days in New York. Sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, thank you for coming on and uh, that'll do it for this chapter of the diary. Thank you. Thanks, Don. See you at a show soon. <laughs>